Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Friday, May the 24th, I'm your host, D.A., and this happens to be episode number 100. So welcome into a little history-making episode of Around the Dial. And we'll begin in Milwaukee, where they're going to have to make a little bit of history by going on the road to win a Game 6 and then at home to win a Game 7 to come back to win a series where they have already blown a 2-0 series lead. Last night, Toronto comes into Fiserv Forum and hands the Bucks a loss. This is tough. Three straight losses for the Deer. But, ah, uh, yeah, there's just some good old-fashioned delusion happening in Milwaukee. Here's Chuck and Winkler on 105.7 in Milwaukee. For some stupid reason, I think the Bucks are going to win Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't know why. I, I I'm, I'm fully expecting them to go to Toronto. Because if this team is as good as it that, that that we've talked about all season long, if they're a great team, they should go to Toronto and win this game. I still think you know they could win that game too. I'm I'm not I'm not done yet. I know a lot of people are, and that's it's easy. When I, I don't want to I don't even want to begin to think if anybody's in the Dunn Club. But I'm sure there's some of those people because it's easy. I want to re- know who's not in the dunk. It's it's easy to react after a loss last night and be just totally frustrated. But you know, we we'll all be there Saturday night watching that game. Steven tweets in at 105.7 FM. The fan classic Wisconsin sports choking something away. No, if this is if this is going to be classic Wisconsin sports, they will win Game Six and lose Game Seven. That's yeah. classic Wisconsin well, sports. How about you give know, you just just that last breath of hope before you die. Memorial Day night. Is there a deader time downtown Milwaukee than Memorial Day on a, on at, at nighttime? Okay, There's nothing going on Memorial Day nighttime downtown, but a chance to make it really a special night if they could win Saturday, and you know that whole Deer District for a Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I mean, a year ago today we'd have killed for this. Just to have an opportunity to Just go to Toronto. Just in October, if you said you're two wins away from the finals. Yes. You take that? Yeah, absolutely. Mitch's Get Stitches tweets in. Says, the moment was too big for the Bucks. How pathetic, how embarrassing. Now the Bucks have forced us all to root for Golden State in the finals. Well, I won't have a problem with that. Well, Although I've kind of like, I've already looked ahead to the finals. I mean, I talked to my brother about what I'm going to do out there. and it's uh, I've already like turned on Golden State. Not, I mean, there's no way in hell I would root for Toronto over Golden State, but I don't even know if I even want to watch a series. If the Bucks lose, it's like when the Brewers lost to the Dodgers in the postseason last year in the NLCS. I mean, the World Series, watching the Dodgers and Red Sox, I had no interest in watching that. None. And if Golden State's playing Toronto, none. 
I've I've seen enough of Nurse Nick and Kawhi that I want to see if they uh, if the Bucks don't win this oh, he's series. He's Doctor Nick now. Yeah. No. Hi everybody. That's a uh, that's a Simpsons. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't see that happening. I think the Bucks have totally lost their mojo. And by losing the two in Toronto, followed up by losing Game 5 at home, the Bucks have proven they have melted in big situations. They could not close the door in regulation or first overtime or second overtime in Game number 3. In Game number 4, they came out with absolutely no energy. In Game number 5, they had a double-digit lead in the second half and could not close out a road squad. I just don't have any faith right now because Giannis isn't his normal dominant self. And the rest of the team just isn't doing its part. And Kawhi is right now unstoppable. It's nice if you're the Bucks fans and you're optimistic, but I do not share that optimism. It's a really bad night in Wisconsin, not only from a Bucks standpoint, but also from a cultural pride standpoint. The other best player in Wisconsin, not named Giannis Antetokounmpo, is Aaron Rodgers, and he was once again courtside. And they put him on the jumbo trying to chug a beer just like his offensive lineman teammates. And he couldn't finish. Oh, no. Did Rodgers embarrass himself? Here's Dusty and Cam of the morning on 1080 The Fan in Portland. The biggest news out of this, though, is Aaron Rodgers was embarrassed last night. He is a part owner of the Bucks. He is a guy who sits courtside. And one of the... Danica was not with him. No. Maybe if she would have chugged the beer, it would have been better. There's no doubt in my mind that a NASCAR driver, if Danica Patrick was there, she would have chugged the beer far better than what Aaron Rodgers did because you have a sippy cup. David Bakhtiari is his uh, what left tackle Mm -hmm. is Bakhtiari and he's become famous now at Bucks games for he gets on the jumbotron, pounds his beer, reaches under his seat, another beer pounds it in about five seconds. The whole process takes about the high five level talent. He did that, looked across the court, pointed at Aaron Rodgers. They put the camera on Rodgers, and he puts the beer to his mouth. And you instantly saw he was like, "Oh my god, this is probably too cold." And he failed. He failed. He he, he tapped sipped. out. He sipped it. It was bad. Actually, he tried cam- to chug it and he ended up. Bakhtiari pounds it, points it at like you said, and Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers starts the beer chug. They go back to Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari pounds another one, goes back to Rodgers. Rodgers still working on the first one and then taps out with probably an inch and a half left. It's a sad day for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's a that's a big blow to him, especially when Matthew Stafford tweets out immediately <laughs> after. one of it, He's In at a bar. bar. They're watching the game, and yeah. he just looks at the beer, yeah. pounds a whole beer. Boom. Done. Mm-hmm. It's the first win the Stafford's had over Rodgers in quite some time. I mean, if you're taking leadership, don't you? I mean, beer pounding ability's got to be very high up on your criteria for quarterback leadership. Who is it? Ross Tucker. He tells the story of uh, Tom Brady's beer chugging yeah. prowess. Apparently, Brady can chug well, beers. So we yeah. know Brett Favre can. Yeah, well, yeah, I've seen it straight there in front of me with crawfish in hands and double fisting. See? Uh <laughs> Been right there with him. John Elway has epic drinking stories of of Denver. Yes. In Denver, apparently during team meetings, he'd sit there and if, uh-huh. when he'd had enough of Shanahan, he, Elway would just stand up and be like, "All right, boys, we're going to the bar. Going to the bar. Boom, meeting over. Yeah. 
So maybe there is something to it. I've played golf with a former, uh, I think he played, how many, how many Chris Chandler played? He played like 17 years, 18 years. I've, I've seen beer drinking that is beyond, beyond logical. Billy Joe Tolliver seems like he's BJ could, can get it done. He could drink some beers. BJT. Huh? Christian Yelich was there chugging beers. Did you no. see that? Really? Yeah, they, he, I, they kept cutting away to him, and he what, chugged, what about, he chugged about, a couple beers. Is that the, Milwaukee's thing, is if you get on the Jumbotron, you just chug a beer? I think so. Who was it during the national championship that was sitting there? Ch- oh, chugging beers. Uh-oh. During the national championship game? basketball national championship Kelsey. game, yeah, it was Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. He was there with Patrick Mahomes, right? And he was he was beer chugging guy, double fisting beer chugging guy. The thing about Travis Kelsey is he didn't even know he was on TV. He they was looked just like two doing students it. in a student section. Honestly, yeah. they were just like in the middle of that the was Texas some bro Tech love going on. Math. Oh, dude, there was it was just two bros loving yeah. it. <laughs> well, you know. It's hard to defend Rodgers here. Most quarterbacks should be able to chug at least one beer. And you might even think about Tom Brady being a health nut, a vegan, avocado ice cream boy, whatever. But we've seen him on late night talk shows chug a beer in like two sips. So, you know, Rodgers doesn't have that going for him either. This is a tough look for Rodgers. It really is. This is a tough look. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I try to redeem myself at all costs. But remember, he might not get a chance. Man, I would I would get I would make sure I'm in the arena for game six in Toronto. Just to make sure you prove to everybody, hey, I can still chug a beer. They might not come back for game number seven. You might not have another chance to save your reputation, my friend. So we thought that the Bucs might be a tougher matchup for the Warriors should they get to the NBA finals because Giannis is such a handful himself and they have so many good spot up shooters around the arc. But is it possible? Actually, Toronto's a tougher matchup for Golden State. Here's Jason Terry, who joined John and Hugh on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. What team do you feel would be a better matchup for the Golden State Warriors, and why? Well, you got to feel like it's Toronto uh, because of their ability to guard all five positions with that starting lineup. Uh, they're the only team that's equipped to match up with Curry, even if Durant is healthy, Durant, because of Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam. Uh, and then you got Kyle Lowry, who's one of the best. Uh, he didn't make the all-defensive team this year, but he's one of the best uh, perimeter defenders that we have at the position. He can guard Steph Curry. He can be physical. He can chase him around. Uh, and then you also have Danny Green, who's been an all-defensive uh, team player, who can match up with Clay Thompson. So they have they have depth. They have uh, length at all positions. They also have a big center in Marcus All who can go inside. He's not like these hybrid centers that just sits out and shoots threes from deep, and uh, he can go inside. And, and, you know, Golden State's biggest weakness is their interior defense. So if you can get a post threat that can, you know, bother them in the middle, uh, then you have a a huge opportunity. And so I just like Toronto in that matchup. You know, not anything bad about Milwaukee. You have to applaud them for the season they've had. But the style of play matters. Uh, Coach Bud was in Atlanta uh, for several years, and he had some success getting them to the Eastern Conference Finals, playing with this style of basketball. But at the championship level, I just think it's tough if you're going to have your seven-footer 30 feet away from the basket shooting threes from deep because, as you know, in this league, you only make 25 to 35% of those threes on your best night. Jason Terry joining us on the WaitForIt.com hotline. You ended your career in Milwaukee. 
notwithstanding what's going to happen with the Bucks and Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, tell me what you see from – all right, I'm going to make a statement and see if you agree. I think if I could take any one player in the NBA right now, it'd be Giannis. It'd be Greek Freak. Anyone. You give me the whole thing, I'm taking him first. Right now, and and you're probably taking him first because you are building a team, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, you, you wouldn't want to take an established superstar, for instance, with championship experience like a Kevin Durant. You wouldn't take him or Kawhi Leonard, who's also been a uh, an, an MVP. Uh, I will have to agree with you on one point, but again, if for instance, if it were the Atlanta Hawks right now, the way they're constructed with a great point guard, Trey Young, a young center, John Collins. Mm-hmm. You would have to put someone like a Kevin Durant with that skill set with that group. Uh, again, because shooting is at a premium. He's a guy who can get his own shot. Now, not to say Greek freak, there's nothing wrong. He will be the MVP possibly this season, uh, but he still has to develop that outside part of his game. And so it just depends what personnel you have that can fit around him that complements his skill set. His skill set is attacking the rim, getting to the basket. And so, again, it just depends how your team is constructed. But for me and my liking, I value shooting. And right now in this league, you got to have guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, guys that can shoot the ball with range and that can have the ability to go off the bounce and get their own shot. That's me and that's my liking. But to me, it translates to winning championships. Still hard for me to see the Raptors being a tougher matchup. I mean, right now, Toronto feels like they are the most mentally tough team of the Eastern Conference Finals, and so that's part of it. And they would have home court advantage against the Warriors, so that's part of it as well. But so would the Bucks. and I don't think that even though the Raptors could come out of the series, I, I don't think that they're a better matchup or a tougher matchup for Golden State. Unfortunately, it just feels like the Warriors right now have already clinched the championship. I don't see either one of the Eastern Conference Finals teams actually being able to topple the Warriors with four games out of seven. We still don't know if Kevin Durant's going to come back for the NBA Finals. We assume that he will, but we know at least he's not going to be there for the start game one next week. So we're still waiting on the severity of this calf injury. Why is KD's injury so vague? Here is Steve Kerr, who joined Damon Bruce and Ray Ratto on 95-7, the game in San Francisco. Kevin, you know, from the beginning, there, there's been a big gray area uh, in terms of his injury because with a, a strained calf, it's uh, it's not black and white. It's not, okay, this is two to three weeks. It's more like this is, you know, 10 days to whatever, a month, five weeks. You just don't know. It's, it depends on how the calf responds. Um, and it's it's hard to tell from imaging how long it's going to be. You have to base it on symptoms. So the good news is he's really coming along well. Um, so his rehab is going well. He's getting stronger. Um, the bad news is he's not yet been out on the floor running, cutting, doing the things you have to do to play in a basketball game. So we are confident that at some point uh, he will be playing in the finals. But, uh, you know, we've got to be – be uh, prudent and, and um, you know, just continue to do the right things with him. And our training staff is top-notch, so they know what they're doing. So basically you guys reevaluate him every day. You just announce it once a week. Pretty much. So, yeah, um, pretty much. That said, Don't take that personally, though. No, I'm incredibly bitter about <laughs> it. Uh, and everything else. The, the other thing about the Durant issue is that I suspect – 
and correct me if I'm wrong, that you've sort of known that this was going to take a lot longer than people were speculating. And is there a trick to not letting anything out until you need to let it out? I mean, just because you were asked, I, I would assume, every day about it. Yeah. And so is there is there a trick to not saying what you know, even at this stage of your career? Well, no, the, the, the reality is there, there is no trick where, um, because from the beginning, you know, as I was saying, it, this could have been a 10-day injury. Um, you don't know when it happens. So you only know based on symptoms, based on the response to treatment. And so we weren't hiding anything. We weren't covering anything up. Um, we were just trying to, um, trying to be as transparent as possible, but we couldn't put a, a, a day, a time on it, a, a limit, and we still can't. So it's been probably the trickiest injury we've ever had to deal with in terms of the messaging. Um, you know, cause no matter what we say, it's going to be headlines. It's going to be a huge deal and that affects Kevin and how, you know, how he's feeling about things. So we've just tried to uh, be transparent with full knowledge that the injury itself is, is there's a huge gray area. Now, what, how many days do you need to see him running and cutting and doing basketball things before in your mind he's ready to go? Or do you just not concern yourself with that until the training staff says, He's ready when you want him. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the deal. When Rick tells me, um, you know, he's good to go on the court, then great, we'll have him on the court. Then the next day, we'll see how he responds, and then, you know, then he'll go another day. And as soon as Rick tells me he can play in a game, you better believe I'm going to put him out there. I wonder if it's so vague because Kevin Durant needs to be really careful about pushing himself back going into free agency. And that the Warriors still have hopes and dreams of him re-signing with Golden State, and so they don't want to upset him by pushing him back too soon. I really wonder if the, so much of this is wrapped around the fact that, A, they kind of don't need him right now, and B, that he's going to be a free agent. Because i got to think that if Kevin Durant was locked into being a Warrior next season and the Warriors were down three games to two to the Blazers, he would have played in that series. On the diamond... The Washington Nationals came into this season as one of the favorites of the National League East, and they're 10 games under 500 before Memorial Day weekend, getting swept in four by the lowly New York Mets, who had just been swept by the lowlier Florida Marlins, now Miami Marlins. What is happening in D.C.? Oh, goodness, is it ugly. Chris Russell went off on them on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. The biggest culprit is you get good starting pitching most nights. Not when Anibal Sanchez is on the mound. Not when Jeremy Hellickson and is you, on the you mound. You tried to argue you Corbin stu- wasn't. You, you I, tried no, to go there last time l- we did listen, this. I understand that. Are you until, with me now? Until that point, until that start oh, in Los now Angeles, with me. Corbin had been eh. He'd been, been all right. He'd been, been okay. He's been very yeah. good. He was very good in his next two starts against oh, Los Angeles. Well, so now, and now against you agree the with me. And then not very good his last start out earlier in this series. You, and the National got swept four games tonight. You know, we just started this show and you're already with the caca. Okay? You, me? You. You're going into, wait a second, the reason why the Nationals are 19 and 31 and have lost five in a row and stink to the high heavens and we have nothing good to talk about around here is because they of a decision they made eight months ago. 
Yes. It's an asinine opinion. It is true. It's insane. It's you know what it is. Hey, no, you it's, put, yes, not it is. Mine. no, not you. You're no, right. you, you, you need to do. You're yelling you need at to put me. your. No, fan. oh no, I Hold wasn't on. looking closely enough. You know what the problem is? You know what the problem is? You guys. Don't understand the cosmic energy surrounded by See, fandom. See now he's well, oh, good. Can you give us our horoscope next while you're at it? You know please. what your horoscope is? Please tell Dead, me. Dead because you, you you let Bryce go. Okay. And you didn't show him the love. Well, you know what? I sat here all summer last year and I said, don't do this. Don't make this mistake. It's not about the the the, the numbers and the ins and outs and the book. It's about the cosmic energy of the Nationals, and it's all gone. This is it cosmic is gone. energy. This is the, stupid, this this is is the, the weirdest, weirdest thing I've ever yes. heard. Yeah, guess this what? Really you know why? Because you don't attend games Listen, as a fan. Did you, did okay. you drink before the show? <sighs> I sat in traffic for two okay. hours. Well, well, maybe that's your problem. Now, here's, here's what I'm Listen. saying to you. How many Bryce Harper jerseys were in that stadium before? There was an energy around it. That's gone. That's all fine it's and good. It's gone. There is no, listen, bye the bye. cosmic Look. energy of fans wearing Bryce Harper's jersey has nothing to do with the bullpen being atrocious Hang and at half the roster being injured. Actually, it does. It does. No, it does. It does. Okay. Well, here, here's what I'm going to say to, this. to, to settle no this little war between all of us is there is no doubt that the Nationals miss Bryce Harper, right? That Bryce Harper's intimidating there presence in the lineup. Say, now pitch, speaking some the sense. way they pitch to guys around, the way during injuries he could have maybe carried them mm-hmm. to another win. Or two. There is no denying that the Washington Nationals miss some of the swag or some of the, 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 the mm, feel that Bryce Harper. Yeah, whatever you call that, right? The bottom line is... He cannot make up for a 13-plus ERA in this game. He cannot make up for Jan Gomes forgetting how to catch. He came here from Cleveland with like a 72% rate throwing guys out and no pass balls. And every inning is a pass ball, if not two, and I'm tired of it. And Brian Dozier, go back to wherever the hell you came from. Because you stink too. Because you didn't back up Jan Gomes, who stinks, and you you can't field, and okay, you hit a home run every once in a while, and you run into one. Congratulations. And while you're at it, take no, Walter Suero with you. We need both arms And up. while you're at it, take Kyle Barraclaw, and now ship him back to Miami, who's coming here, and all of a sudden, Miami's better than the Nationals. So we're doomed. Bryce Harper, 18 Bryce Harpers could show up tomorrow night at Nationals Park. We're doomed. We're done. It's over. It's extinct. I and told I'm you, sweating you're agreeing with me. You you agree with the energy no, is gone because of Bryce I'm Harper. Eighteen Bryce Harpers could show up tomorrow. No, night. you only need one. To one. You only need one. You know what it's like? It's like you only need you're, one. it's like you have your own kid and you say we don't love you anymore. What do you think is going to happen to your whole family? It's what happened, Rooster. Because they said we don't love you at three hundred and thirty million dollars. This is as brutal as it gets, and there's no doubt there's going to be a managerial change here soon. Think about where the Nationals were just two seasons ago. Designs on finally getting to a World Series, making sure they had one last run with Bryce Harper, Strasburg, Scherzer, etc. Loading up, trying to win a championship, go out in the World Series, and then they lose Bryce. Last year they missed the playoffs. This year they're 10 games under five hundred. The whole thing is completely unraveled, and now they are just a mess. And finally, it's the Stanley Cup Final, which starts up on Monday night as the St. Louis Blues attempt to erase an entire half century's worth of misery. The Blues haven't been to the Stanley Cup Final in 49 years. They've never won the Cup, and they have a chance to do so against the Boston Bruins, the team that did them in 49 years ago. 
On January the 3rd, this was the worst team in hockey. How did they turn it around? Here's hockey analyst Darren Pang, who joined Jamie and Stoney and the gang on WXYT 97-1, the ticket in Detroit. Was the coaching change, was that the thing that turned it all around? Or was it the the goaltending change? Or Gloria. It's a good question. Or Gloria. Um, um, I'll I'll try to throw it in, in, in sequence here if we can. Um, number one on Mike Yo is, is a really good coach and a really good person, but I, I think it was tough on Mike to have so many new personalities. Um, I think seven of the 12 forwards were new or young, uh, like Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo that started the year. And I believe that he lost some of the veteran players that have been here for a while. Uh, Braden Shen, uh, Schwartz to an extent, Tarasenko, um, Steen, they got lost in the shuffle because I think the head coach at the time, Mike Gill, was really working hard to try to get these other new players in. And so, okay, so that, that, that would be number one. So those players didn't play very well. That's a fact. Number two, and I'm between the benches for all the games, one thing I found out was number two was this player, this team was not checking their ego at the door whatsoever. I know it's often used in the Olympics when you take a bunch of great players and you put them together on a team and they're going to have different roles. And they weren't playing for the team. They were playing for themselves to try to get their game on, on par. So all those things were, were a result of this team underachieving badly. Mike Yo gets fired. Craig Berube steps in. He gives them an incredible amount of confidence. The first thing he said was, i got to instill confidence in this group. They're out of confidence. And he was right. Schwartz, Shen, Tarasenko, all the guys I mentioned, they didn't have confidence for some reason. And then you get the, a goaltender plugs in on January 7th. Uh, seven players go out to a nice little bar in, in Philadelphia and watch the uh, the Eagles and the Bears play. And in between uh, commercial breaks, they're playing Gloria. The boys are having a couple of pops. They're listening to Gloria. They say, hey, we got to play Gloria. And sure enough, the next night they get a shutout under Jordan Biddington's watch, and they play Gloria, and they've been off to the races ever since. Na- nationally, what's going to get uh, shown or played more, Gloria or the Orr goal from 70? Uh, boy. <laughs> well, the or, the or goal for the first part. And I think if the Blues continue to win, Gloria will override it. Will override it. Um, I know in St. Louis, it's real special to me. I've been a partner of John Kelly's for 10 years. That that great call was uh, his Hall of Fame father, Dan Kelly. Yep. And uh, so that's, that's really another unique side. And Dan Kelly's widow, Fran, uh, was at the, the last game, the clinching game as well. And I saw her in our studio and you know, there's a lot of tears. There's a lot of emotion. As you guys well know, not winning a cup for a long time before 97. Um, boy, there was, a, you know, there was a lot of emotion after that uh, clinching game against San Jose. Man, it's an amazing story, and it's so great because it's so organic that this is a team that really did end up at a speakeasy in Philadelphia on the road and really did end up hearing the song Gloria played a million times at the jukebox and really did go out the next day and win, and really did adopt Gloria as their anthem, and really did make a coaching change, and really did get unbelievable goaltending from a young goaltender, and really did make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Final, and really is the team that the city has completely rallied around right now, and a fan base that has been long, long, long tortured. It's cool how this has all come together in a really organic fashion. And I know there's a lot of people outside of St. Louis that are pulling for the Blues just because they're such a phenomenal story. Should be a really fun Stanley Cup final as the Bruins wax their way through the Hurricanes, the Eastern Conference final, and now try to put a 
third crown, a third jewel on the crown of New England and Boston in terms of sports championships in 2018 slash 2019. We're off for the long weekend, and so we'll see you on Tuesday after game one of the Stanley Cup final. Have a great weekend. We'll see you then, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.